Psalm chapter 88. I'll get rid of all these papers up here. We're not going to, that's not the text, but I, that's the first, uh, first passage we're going to go to. Psalm chapter 88. I think this is a, I used to love Sunday night services um, growing up, especially once I got into college and then uh, out of college and was married. Uh, We had very, very busy bus ministries, junior church, Sunday school uh, that we were very involved in on Sunday mornings. And so Sunday nights was kind of our time to come in, finally relax for the day and hear uh, our pastor preach to uh, what we would call the Sunday night crowd, the the, the faithful uh, of the church, the ones that are there for every service. And uh, it was often uh, teaching. It was often encouragement. It was often um, uh, what Christians who have been at it for a long time need to hear. Um, and I really, I really, I loved Sunday night services. And uh, it was our, preach, our pastor preaching or te- talking to us, and he preached, but he was talking to his people that that needed to hear uh, some encouragement, needed to hear uh, something to keep them going through the week. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, what do you do? I'm going to give you the title, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. But what do you? What do we do when we're feeling weak? Weak. You ever felt that way? Ever felt tired? You ever uh, come to church on Wednesdays and just go? Finally, I made it to Wednesday, right? But sometimes we feel that way in our spiritual lives, too. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for the service we had this morning, the message that we heard. God, I do pray that that would be the prayer of our hearts, that you would change us, that you would continue to change us until we uh, come home to be with you or until you come to get us. And, uh, God, I pray that we'd never be satisfied with where we're at. God, I pray that we would be content with what you've given us, but never satisfied with, with where we're at in our spiritual walk. And uh, God, when we do make mistakes, I pray that we would fix them quickly, that we would keep that relationship with you warm and, and close and uh, so that you can use us in your work. pray that you give us a good uh, time around your word here in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What do you do when you're spiritually weak. I, I got to tell you a story about physically weak before we get into that. I was talk, talking to my dad, texting my dad, and I heard, I had, he told me the story only one other time, and it was only a few years ago. I'd never heard it before, but we got to talking about doing the Grand Canyon at some point, and he said, oh man, I've done the Grand Canyon. I said, you, I didn't know you ever been to the Grand Canyon. He said, yeah, I was 18 years old, maybe 19. He was just out of high school, and uh, he had just graduated. It was the summer of that year, and a bunch of his friends, my dad was not saved at the time. Um, he came, went to Bible college when he was 22, I think. Uh, but he got saved and, and went to Bible college a little bit later. He went to a, a, a um, architectural school before he ever went to Bible college or anything like that. But anyways, he went with a group of friends to the Grand Canyon. They'd done zero training. Now, he wrestled his whole life and ran cross country and all that. So they were all in good shape, and it was a bunch of those friends. But he got to the Grand Canyon. They started on the north rim, and they were going to come all the way down to the, to the south rim in one day. Does anybody know how far that is? I've never done it. How far? He told me. It's, so I asked him because I didn't know. 26 miles. So they're going to do all this in one day. 
So he jumps out of the van, and one person stayed in the van to go around to the south rim and pick them all up when they finally made it. But he got out and starts jogging down the trail, which you don't do. He starts jogging down the trail. And no water, no backpack, no nothing. And in fact, he was in bare feet. He just took off running. And <clears throat> he told me he would only he had water. He drank water at the water stop, but no, no bottle of water to carry it with him or anything else like that, which I don't even know if they would let you do now. But they, would, they let him do that. And uh, when he finally made it to the top, he was so dehydrated. When he did get water, he couldn't keep it down. And he said he met up finally with a mile to go from the south rim. He met up with a family that obviously he looked terrible. They, they said, uh, you need help? He couldn't even hardly talk. He said, I need water. But they gave him some water, and they said, our camper is at the top. When you get there, here's the key. Get in there. There's fruit in the refrigerator. If the AC is on, you stay in there as long as you need to. We're going to come down and spend the night down here and then come back. So you stay there as long as you need to and just leave the keys, you know, wherever when you're done. He was sitting at a picnic table or something like that when all of his friends finally came, who were smart enough to catch up with other families. Because none of them had water or backpacks, but they all realized, I'm going to die down here. So they all caught up with other families they didn't even know and said, hey, can we walk with you so we can have some water? And that's what they did. So they came behind him. When they passed him at the picnic table, they didn't recognize him. <laughs> that's how much he lost 30 pounds in water weight. I say that to say um, we're going to get to it here in a, in a minute, but we sometimes we are physically weak. I don't care how strong you are physically. I don't care how strong you uh, how good of shape you're in. Me and Matthew were talking. He's on the cross or the track team so he could get in good shape, right? But it doesn't matter how strong you are. Sometimes at some point we get tired. We get weak. We do the same thing spiritually. Uh, Psalm chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Sometimes our joy gets weak. We, we, we get our joy starts to wane. Listen to these verses. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. You know this verse, Psalm chapter 51, verse 12. And David is, is begging God to, to help him. It's his prayer of confession, his prayer of uh, re restoration. He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Why did he need it restored? He'd lost it. He'd lost that joy. Now go to Psalm chapter 88. You should be there. And if you look at the top, this is not a psalm of David. This is a psalm of Haman, He-Man. like He-Man better. But he was one of the, he was an Ezraite, and this was to the sons of Korah. This is called the darkest psalm of, of all 150 psalms. This is the darkest one. And, and me and Sarah were talking about this, this this afternoon. She said, I love when David is is pouring his heart out to God because he always starts his psalm like that, but then ends it with, but thank you for being my God. Thank you for uh, how you uh, restore me. Psalm 88 doesn't end like that. Psalm 88 is just a, a very dark psalm. But look at uh, just a few of these verses, uh, chapter uh, 88, verse 4. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depth, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves, Selah. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. 
Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead rise and, arise and pray? He's basically saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to die, and I'm not going to be able to praise you. Uh, can you please help me so I don't die? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave or thy faithfulness in destruction? Verse 16, thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They come past me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. And that's how it ends. There is no resolve here of, of chapter uh, 88. In verse 87, I was looking at this in, my, in studying, but verse 3, you probably recognize this verse, chapter 87, verse 3. Glorious things of thee are spoken, O city of God, Selah. You, you know that song, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. This was written to the same people. Look at, look at the top of the title of chapter 87, a psalm or song for the sons of Korah. So is, so is chapter 88. That quickly, uh, we go from uh, glorious things are spoken of God to, are you just going to let me die so I can't praise you anymore? Their joy was gone. What, did, what do we do when our walk is weak? When, we are, when we're backslidden. And, and I say all these, uh, say these things not uh, at anybody, but at times we will feel this way in our Christian life. And what do we do when we're feeling this way? We're going to get to that just in, in a few minutes. But what do you do when your walk is weak? Uh, when we're backslidden. And uh, sometimes we're backslidden, we know we're backslidden, and we don't feel like taking the effort to make that change. Because we're weak. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 27, I believe it is. Um, I wasn't planning on reading this verse, but Proverbs chapter 27. Uh, I think I have a, a marker there. Because I was going to, I was working on a message for later for this verse. But um, 26. Uh-oh. Not where I thought it was. But anyways, it says, uh, oh, Proverbs chapter 24. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Because we at times get in those uh, situations in our life where our strength is just small and we cannot keep going. I read a story, and maybe you recognize this, but come thou fount of every blessing. Y'all know that song. Uh one of the phrases in there is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Well, the guy that wrote that song was a man named Robert Robinson. And a uh, very interesting story, but in his teens, uh, he was born in, in London, and in his teens, or, or a suburb of London, but in his teens, he was running in gangs and everything else. He was a wicked, wicked kid, and his dad was in prison, which is why he was out on the streets back then. This is like uh, 1700s, mid, mid to like 1760, 1770. But he was, uh, um, when, a, when parents went to prison, they didn't get put in a foster home or something like that. They just ran the streets. Um, and that's where Moody and Spurgeon, some of those, uh, took these orphans in. But this kid went to a, uh, a, a, a service to heckle the pastor. That's what he went there for. And I believe it was George Whitfield that he heard preach. And those words that George Whitfield preached kept ringing in his ears, and he eventually came to Christ and got saved. 
And at, at 22 years old, so he, he got saved, got joined the Methodist church, and then became a Baptist pastor. And at 22 years old, he wrote that song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to seek thy praise, so, or to speak thy praise. But anyway, later in his life, they say he converted to Unitarianism, and some say he actually just completely left the faith altogether. And I don't know how old he was or how, how much later this was, but he was in a carriage one day, and a young lady was humming that hymn in the carriage. And, and they got to talking, and she said, have you ever heard that song? And this, these were his words, Madam, I am the poor unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to feel what I did back then. And uh, if you know that song, there's a part in there that says, Streams of mercy never ceasing. She said to him, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. I mean, I did the same thing when I was reading this story. I studied. She said, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. And, it's, and they said that he was so deeply touched by her words that eventually he was restored through the ministry of his own hymn. But what do we do when our walk is weak? We cannot pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, I'm, I'm going to walk with God. We don't feel like it sometimes. When, especially when we're backsliding, that's what backsliding is. You don't feel like doing that. What do we do when our faith is weak? Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. I think prone to wander, Lord, I feel it hits home so close because we feel it every day. We're prone to to wander, prone to leave the God I love. We love him, but that human nature, we're prone to leave it. First Kings chapter 18. Uh, this is a story of Elijah in the cave. And if you, if you know this story, First Kings chapter 18, verse 36, I'm not going to read all this, but it goes from 1836 all the way through chapter 19, verse 10 is where we land uh, when in the passage that I want to look at. But verse 36 uh, of chapter 18, look at that. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. And you know this story. This is him calling down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice, okay? Now, as soon as that happens, Ahab heads to Jezreel to tell Jezebel what's going on. And you know the story? What, is, what does Elijah do? Outruns the chariot. He beats them to Jezreel. But uh, if you look, let's see. Uh, I, I, I don't have these verses written down, but if you look, it's in that passage somewhere between 1836 and 1910. He, uh, Ahab tells Jezebel, he slew all the prophets of Baal. And what does she say? By tomorrow morning at this time, you're going to be exactly the same state that they're in. You're going to be dead. And what does Elijah do? He takes off running again. He bails. And the angel finds him by the, by the brook and feeds him. And he says, hey, wake up and eat and drink. He goes back to sleep. Hey, wake up, eat and drink again three times. And then he, it, the Bible says for 40 days he went on that food, right? And then we get to chapter 19, verse 10. Verse 9, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He's in a cave, hiding from Jezebel. 
what doest thou here, Elijah? In verse 10, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants, thrown down mine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah just had some huge victories. His faith right now is weak. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me, God. That's what I'm doing here. But his faith is weak. And we would be fooling ourselves if we thought for, for a second that we don't get in those positions sometimes. We do feel that way. So what do we do when we're feeling weak? Go to chapter, Isaiah chapter 40. Very familiar passage. But it tells us exactly what we're supposed to do when we're weak. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 21 is where I want to start. It goes back a little bit further, but I want to start in Isaiah 40, 21. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity or worthlessness. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? It's kind of what Nitin was talking about this morning. Don't, God is a jealous God. Don't put, him, don't put anything else in the top spot with him, because he will not let that happen. He will go to the second spot, and you will lose the power in your life. Uh, to whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? By the way, verse 26, uh, I believe he's talking about the stars of heaven. He, he hath created these things, he bringeth out their host by number, he calleth them. Um, because he saith, lift up your eyes on high. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, and not one of those lights in the heavens faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Why? Why? Do we get ourselves in these positions? Why does our walk get weak? Why does our joy get weak? Why does our faith get weak? When verse 27 or verse 28, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. We have access to him, but we don't go there. When he has power to give, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And that's why this is what we're going to look at. What do we do when we're feeling weak? First of all, we wait on the Lord. And there is no, there is no other way to do it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What is waiting on the Lord? What is that? We hear that verse all the time. We, it's, it's in many other places in the Bible. Uh, 
Uh, let's see, what was the other verse I had? I have another one written down. I didn't highlight it. But uh, it talks about um, our strength being renewed like the eagles. But what is that waiting? It's trusting in God. It's getting on our knees before the throne of heaven and begging for wisdom and for direction and strength. I remember being a young man uh, in college uh, and just not knowing what I was supposed to do with my life. I went to Mongolia on a missions trip. I was, I was a missions major in Bible college because I thought that's what God wanted me to do. And that's not a bad desire to have. But if it's not what God wants you to do, then you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be a missionary if that's in a foreign field, if God doesn't want you to do that. And we wait on him. And I, I think uh, often we, we think, we do two things. We wait for about 30 seconds. And when he doesn't give us his plan, we go on to what we were going to do. And we do not wait patiently for him. Remember a couple weeks ago when I preached, I talked about the children of Israel getting Saul as their king. When they, If they'd waited one more generation, David was already God's plan for them. But they got ahead of God. They didn't wait patiently. Um, go to 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is the story of that. And you, you have in 1 Samuel chapter 8, You have Samuel saying, God, I know you're not, I know they're not supposed to get a king. And God says, I know. Go talk to them. See if you can change their mind. And if not, I'm going to give them a king. You see that in verse 1. Came to pass when Samuel was old, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, came to Samuel and to Ramah, said, Behold, thou art old, thy sons walk not in thy ways. Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Verse 6, Sam, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, but even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they do so do they also unto thee. And and going on, God says, try to convince them that they don't need a king, but they're if they want one and they continue to push you, give them a king, and I'll tell you who it is. But that's that's them not waiting patiently on the Lord, uh, <clears throat> and we should also be waiting diligently. Uh, don't listen to the wrong voice, because that happens sometimes too. A very well-meaning friend or a very very well-meaning relative. Yeah, I think this is what you should do. But wait diligently on the Lord so that he can re renew your strength. So kind of a long quote, but this is what uh, <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said about this. This is not laziness, waiting. It's not laziness. Every man among us should be as David, who ran forward to the giant, eager for the fray, or as Elisha, who left the oxen and ran after Elijah, or as Philip, who ran to meet the chariot of the Ethiopian. Oh, oh, to abide like a ship, this is a good picture, waiting for orders with the steam ready, sailors on board, anchor drawn up, only waiting for orders to be put out to sea, directly, wherever the great high admiral of the seas may bid us steer. May the Holy, Mas may the Holy Spirit enable us to wait with our eyes upwards to our great master, 
as the eyes of handmaidens are to their mistress and make us quick of understanding in the fear of the Lord so that the moment we receive the divine intimation, our will and ability move spontaneously in cheerful effort. And he says this, gird up your loins, young men. Ye that have the love of God in you, brace up your loins tonight and pray to God to teach you to run. <clears throat> to run first with energy and next with sacred forwardness. So run that ye may obtain. So run that the great cloud of witnesses may applaud. So run that the king may say, ye did run well. I think that's a perfect picture of what this waiting is. Waiting is not always, oh, I'm so backslidden, I got to get myself right before God can even talk to me. Sometimes it's, I don't know what the next move is. Uh, that's kind of where our church is right now with, the, with our building. We don't know what the next move is. We can charge forward and make something happen. We could. But is it what God wants? And I think this is what God is teaching us right now. Wait on me. And Isaiah 41 tells us, wait on him so that we can renew our strength. I think, of it, I think it's like a uh, kind of similar to, to a dog. <clears throat> at least my dog. When I get home from work, my dog is at my heels, at my nose, at my heels until we go outside and take a walk. And if I sit in my chair, the second my chair moves, he's looking, ready to, are we going, are we going now? And if I sit back and I'm, you know, I'm just adjusting myself, he lays back down. But as soon as I stand up, he's right behind me again, ready to go. That's how we need to be with God. Where, where are we going? Where do you want me to go? I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Oh, God's not ready right now. That's how he wants us to be. So we wait. And then secondly, we watch. And these points are, are very short, but we watch. What are we watching? We're watching him renew our strength. This strength comes from the Holy Spirit. Psalm 103, verse 5 says, Who satisfieth my mouth, thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God does it. God satisfies, uh, gives our mouth good things, so that our, our youth is renewed like the eagles. It's not something we can cook up. It's not something we can make happen. He has to do it. It's exactly what Nitin was talking about this morning. Me and him have talked about this so often, and this is why I think that the uh, Pentecostals, the, uh, the Charismatics, this is, why I, this is what I think the tongues movement is, is the power is gone, and so you create something that looks sort of similar. It's fake. It's not the Holy Spirit filling them with power. It's them coming up with something because they don't have the power anymore, so they have to create one. And I, and I think that we can often, we can do it, and we do do it so often. We have not waited on God. We do not have the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, and so we act like we've always acted so, so that hopefully nobody recognizes that we've lost that power. But we watch him renew our strength. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. You should be already there in verse 12. We're going to look at these verses because we get our strength renewed from God because only he is, has the strength in him to renew us in this way. Look at verse 12. Who hath, who hath measured out, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? This kind of sounds like Job. 
Remember, remember when God is talking to Job? He says, where were you when I created everything? Who hath instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. The dust of the balance he's talking about is the dust that's on a scale before you put whatever you're going to put on it. That's what, the, that's what the nations are to him. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All the beasts of Lebanon are not sufficient for the burnt offering for our God. This, this is, uh, I've talked about this a few weeks ago, but this is the God we serve. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? And that's where we uh, started our passage tonight. But this God is so powerful that only he has that strength that we need. And all of us can draw from it at the same time, and he never runs out. And, and thousands, millions of Christians can be praying to him at the same time, drawing from this power at the same time, and he, he has it to give if we ask for it. So we wait, we watch him renew our strength, and then this the, the third thing, I think this is very important, because God does not give us that strength. He does not give us that Holy Spirit's power so that we can uh, bring glory to ourselves, or so that we can say, I'm more right with God than I've ever been before. You hear that often. Okay, good. What are you doing with it? We The third thing is work. We wait, we watch him renew our strength, and then we take that strength that he gives us and we work for him. Uh, if, if the Christian life is worth doing, it's worth doing well, and we are not strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God so we feel better about ourselves, we're given strength to go work and be useful in his service. And I think it's also important that uh, when, when he gives us this strength that we're not sporadic, you know, uh, for two or three weeks or two or three months, we, we give it everything we got, and then we just disappear, and they're like, whoa, where'd, where'd he go? I thought he was on fire. And then, you know, all of a sudden, he's back again. He's at every service, and he's go, yeah, I'm going to get in the bus ministry, and then he disappears again. That's not running. That's, I don't know what that is, tripping, hurdles. I don't know what that is, but that's not running well. God gives us that strength so that we can run well. Look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You don't see an eagle fly for, you know, 200 yards and then poof, dive, nosedive into the ground and then get back up and fly again. We're, we're made. He gives us that strength to be consistent uh, runners in his race. Um, I had another another point. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Have you ever, have you ever seen... Uh, Part of part of uh, waiting on him to to renew our strength. Going back just a second, have you ever seen a? Uh, I know I've done this. Have you ever put a battery charger? I think some of our contractors in here would know this. Uh, a battery in a charger, and you're using the other drill, maybe on a circular saw. Circular saws suck the battery life out, and it, the other one's not ready yet. But this one's completely dead. So you go back and get that one and put it in, and you get like five more minutes out of it. I think that's what we do sometimes. We don't wait and let him charge us up. We, we get a little, a little bit, and, we're like, and we get excited, and we take off, but we don't have the Holy Spirit 
guiding us and strengthening us, and we're dead again in, in two weeks. And, and you gotta, the pastor has to drag you back in here and encourage you and boost you up. And We shouldn't need that. Wait on the Lord, watch him renew our strength, and then, as I said lastly, we work. Uh, the Lord, I, was, I think pastor mentioned this, and I was saying something to one of the guys at work uh, because he said exactly the same thing. If pastor didn't say it in here, he said it to me. But he, he said uh, he heard somebody say, and I have no idea who it was, um, what better time to raise dragon slayers than when there's dragons? I was just talking to a guy at work, and he said that. I don't even want to raise kids with swords. I don't even want to raise them with swords. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. What better time for us to be raising our children, for us to be running well, than in a time when there's nobody else doing it? God wants God's going to, he's going to take care of his church. He's going to do his work with or without us. But what better time for us to be running and, and running well? A uh, couple more, couple more points and then we'll be done. Uh, but the swift and the strong, the young men who, Bible says there in, uh, in verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary. But what better time for young men? to wait on him, restore their strength, and then get busy working for him. The world has, and, and I am not in full-time ministry, you all know that, but God has work for every one of us to do. It doesn't matter what your job is or what your career is or what your profession is. That doesn't take first place in our lives. God wants us, and our, and our, our job, our duty, is to run well for him first and foremost. And if our job comes in the way of that, the job has to go, or parts of the job have to go, or whatever it is. It is time for young men, for old men, for young women, for old women to run well uh, in, in God's service. And, I've, and, and this is the last thing that I'll bring up, but I think it's very important to know, to, to remember that when we're running, there can be little stones on the ground. If you're shuffling along and there's there's stones on the ground, it's easy to trip on them, right? When you're running along, you're running five, six foot strides at a time, maybe more, depending on how fast you're going. There's a whole lot on the ground that we're able to clear because we're running. And and I think a lot of the offenses that we, the things we take offense to, the small things that we worry about, if we were running for God, we'd be clearing those and not even noticing that they're on the ground. We wouldn't even notice that they're there. I have one last quote uh, from Charles, Charles Spurgeon. He says this, Oh, for more love and more faith and more spiritual vigor in our constitution, and then we shall clear half our difficulties at a running leap and scarcely call them other than light afflictions, which are but for a moment, and are not worthy to be, be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What do we do when we're feeling weak? We wait on him. We trust in him with a patient, keen eye looking for his will. What is his next step for us? Then we watch him renew our strength and give us the Holy Spirit's power to work for him. And lastly, we work. We use this running strength to serve him with our lives and give him the glory so that when we stand before him, he can say, you did run well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did exactly what I needed you to do. We can do that. But I think often when we start to feel weak, we feel sorry for ourselves. 
well, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop out of all my ministries, or I'm going to stop. I can't come to church. I feel I just don't feel like it. That's not, that's not the answer when we're feeling weak. It's to wait on him, trust in him, watch him renew our strength, and then go work for him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day again that you've given us. God, I thank you for each and every day that you give us. And I know often we take that for granted. God, there's some that are sick, and, and every day is truly a blessing to them, and they thank you for it. And I pray that you would help us to do the same. But, God, I pray that uh, every one of us has ups and downs. We have mountains and valleys that we go through. And sometimes we're on the mountain, we're excited, we're serving you. And other times we're in the valleys, and sometimes those valleys are very harsh. We feel weak, we, we're backslidden, we don't feel like changing, we, we know we need to, but don't know where to start, or we know where to start and don't feel like doing it. And God, I pray that we would do these, these three things we see here in Isaiah. We would wait on you, be looking to you for exactly what your will is for our lives. God, I pray that we wouldn't be lazy. It's not, it's not sitting on the couch saying, well, I'm waiting for God. We're working, but waiting for, for your next step. And then I pray that you'd renew our strength so that we can work for you. God, I thank you uh, for this church. Thank you for our pastor. I pray that you bless him as he's uh, preaching that service uh, down in South Chesterfield. I pray that you'd uh, just help him. I pray that you give us a good week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.